We talk about dedication to the position. This is an incredible effort by Kevin Woodley to get dialed in for the InGoal Radio podcast, along with Darren Millard, the co-founder of InGoal Magazine. David Hutchison, it's Kevin Woodley in his car after Canucks availability as we package this edition of the podcast. Uh, Woody, what, what's the situation in the car park? Uh, the situation in the car park is I'm here because I, my initial thought was go to the press box, but they're having a Christmas party. Uh, players, family, staff, kind of neat actually what they do. They really do it up. And there would have been a lot of Christmas jingle music in the background. And you guys know how my natural state is negative and miserable. I didn't want to have any Christmas cheer this early in December. I think that was far too happy a place for you. Yeah, I know. Like you, oh, you humbug. Yeah, ex- would not exactly. work. Exactly. I could, you don't want me like doing Christmas carols and singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when, as Hutch just said so perfectly, I am bought in humbug. This may surprise a lot of people, but recording in the car is a very good atmosphere for audio. So this should sound perfectly fine unless somebody goes ripping by in a motorcycle or something like that. I don't think anybody's going to rip through the Rogers Arena parkade on a motorcycle. I feel like this is an excellent time to... No, I can't. I I was gonna I was gonna plug my my car deal that's on Sportsnet 650, but that's separate from Ingol. So we'll leave it for now. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, the beautiful people over at uh, the Hockey Shop, source for sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com, and uh, give them some love right now. Yeah. So. Um, we got a gear segment coming up. We we're originally going to have the gear segment about uh, Black Friday and the Christmas sale, but guess what? Black Friday's come and gone. We're going to run a different gear segment on a piece of equipment that Cam actually helped design. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Cam, but he helped design it. We'll do that a little later. But I think people should go back to the Black Friday video that we did. Check out our YouTube channel. Check out our Instagram because there were a lot of things that were on sale that are still on sale that also make excellent Christmas gifts. And as we roll into the first couple of days of December here, uh, now is the time. Save some money. Make sure the goalie on your Christmas list gets something they like. You can kill two birds, one stone. Take advantage of Black Friday savings sort of being carried over into the Christmas buying season. A lot of gear, past models, on sale, sticks. You know, we we had the new Warrior Stick Ritual V3i that we debuted on our last podcast edition. Well, that means its predecessor is on sale. So lots of opportunities to get cool gear you can wrap uniquely, put under the tree, and save Santa a little money in the process. Make sure you check them out at the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports in Langley, if you live in the Lower Mainland, or if not, thehockeyshop.com. Gear segment on the way. We also have our Sense Arena feature interviews this week. Uh, Brian Hayward, longtime goaltender in the National Hockey League and has uh, now flipped over to the media side and uh, been an analyst for a number of years and uh, really uh, made a statement on, on that side of things. And uh, Dusty Nickel, the e-bug uh, for the Calgary Flames, and uh, he actually got to back up for a game the other night, and uh, he had a, a real start because there's a player that flew into Dan Vladar early in that game, and all the cameras were focused right in on, on Dusty Nichols. So a uh, fun conversation coming up between Hutch and uh, Dusty as we uh, gear up our, our own little uh, slant of the holidays with opportunities uh, from the in-goal side, uh, Hutch. 
Yeah, look, if you're uh, doing some of your Christmas shopping over at the hockey shop or wherever you might be doing your shopping for your goaltenders, just save a little bit for that in-goal premium membership. If you head over to the site anytime, right up at the top, there's a bright red bar you can click on and give a gift subscription to the favorite goalie, goalie coach, or goalie parent in your life. Just got an email, in fact, from a grandparent today who had purchased a gift subscription for their uh, grandson, I believe it was, and just said he absolutely loves it. And it's awesome to get feedback like that. So maybe get, consider a gift subscription to InGoal. And if you're already a member, or maybe you just want to double up for somebody who loves listening to this podcast, there's also a premium podcast channel where, I mean, I don't know why you would want to miss listening to Woody and Darren and myself chit-chatting, but if you just want to get to the feature interviews and nothing else, then you might want to consider subscribing to the premium podcast channel. So a couple great ways that you can involve InGoal in your giving this year and help out the goalie in your life. Woody, you're bouncing around in that car, nodding away. Like you just, you love everything about it's it. It's perfect. It was perfect. It was a bit, see, now that I'm like trying to be like the sales guy in my, in, in my alter ego, like I got to do like reads on radio and stuff. Hutch just nailed that. Like that was perfect. First take. It was awesome. Woody was just biting his lip, trying not to jump in with his own take. I, it's hard for me. <laughs> We've established that's hard for me, but there was nothing to add. Well said, Hutch. Um, <laughs> Like what better? Like we we've had this conversation all for years and years and years now. There Here is no better way to become a better goaltender for than for fifty bucks a year in Goal Mag Premium. What I like is the interaction and uh, the notes that uh, you guys receive, and you're nice enough to forward on. It's just uh, marvelous, and some of it's constructive, uh, guiding us in the in the right direction. And uh, then there's all the beautiful, wonderful. Uh, just a community of goaltending that uh, that seems to be growing and growing and growing. It's fun stuff. It is for sure. And that most recent one actually came um, when we sent out uh, a whole pile of emails this week uh, running a marketing survey for a company. And when you do that, you just cringe wondering if maybe there's going to be a mistake or something. And the email came back to me really quickly. And I thought, oh, oh what, what did I do wrong? And in fact, it was that grandmother just praising in goal and what a great gift it was. So that was really exciting to do that. Speaking of that marketing survey, Darren, uh, we are doing this on behalf of one of the big companies who wants to learn more about what people are doing when they're out there looking for goaltending gear. And as a result, if anybody participates in this survey, they get a chance to win a custom set of pro gear. Uh, in fact, there's two sets being given away. So great opportunity. You just got to get in on that survey. So if you've received the email, make sure you do the survey. If you haven't received the email, head over to InGoal. The link is ingoalmag.com slash sign up. And you can just get your name into our email database that way. And either tomorrow, Monday, uh, the 4th of December and Tuesday, the 5th of December, there'll be two more emails headed out just to remind people to get that survey done and get their chance to win a custom set of pro gear. One of two, as you said, custom sets of pro gear. Love it. People are just drooling right now, and I don't blame you at all uh, for that. Uh, let's get into the gear segment. I brought to you by the Hockey Shop, source for Sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. And uh, we're dealing with uh, the inner glove, which uh, I think is uh, a preference, uh, but once you try it, I really encourage people to to give it a shot if you have the, ever have the opportunity because it does give you a, a, a real sense of uh, 
protection, but also added uh, just feel with your glove, Woody. Yeah, I mean, and this one's unique, so I, I don't want to give too much away. Um, but I, th- I think it is twofold, right? Like we've had some other models where it's, it's not just about the extra padding. And Lord knows there are times we could use some extra padding. Maybe you don't want to have a practice glove or you don't have the wherewithal to, to have a separate practice glove with extra layers of padding. Uh, this one would probably come in handy. I actually picked one up for our good friend, Corey Davidson from Polaris uh, up in Kelowna. Shout out to Corey who had the misfortune of catching a slap shot from a recently retired national hockey leaguer with a wicked clapper, not in the pocket, but off the thumb and is now wearing a giant cast. So Corey, we got you covered. When you get the cast off, We've got some extra padding to put inside the glove. And I should say he was actually wearing another ex-NHLers glove. So it wasn't like he was wearing uh, a glove that wasn't equipped to handle the hard heat. But if you don't catch it in the pocket, you're at risk. And that's what this is all about. It's called the Paddle Wedge Trinity. As we mentioned, our good friend Cam had a role in sort of, I don't know how much designing, but adding features to it. He was consulted in the process. And it really does add a layer of padding that can maybe be the difference between a bad bruise and potentially breakage. So. Uh, Let's just check in with Cam and get him to explain the rest of how the Paddle Wedge Trinity Glove works. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports. That's here. Cam. That's me. What's in the box? Ooh, we're playing What's in the Box today. I have something exciting and fun and different, a little bit different. Kind of. Something I helped with. I'm kind of excited. You're proud about this one. I'm a little bit proud of it. Yeah, I'm a little bit proud of it. So normally we don't get down to like the nitty-gritty accessories too, too much, especially on the podcast slash video cast, because we're always talking about those big crazy things like and stuff like that. So what I have here today. I can't wait anymore. I feel like Michael Jackson. I am I'm, I'm gonna try and dance. Just the thunder. The god. Look, it's like shiny and everything. Trinity Inner Padded Glove by Paddle Wedge. Company that makes those wedges you slide on your stick to protect your fingers. I've also thought more about your hand and come out with an incredibly grippy, also padded inner glove for your catch hand. Fantastic. Okay, so we got padding in the thumb along the base of the fingers and the rest of this shiny textured material is just what, to grip it a little bit? Exactly. So supreme grip over your glove, great control. One of the nice features of it is having your fingers out still gives you good connection feel to your glove. You're still getting that feel. It doesn't get sloppy. It's not going to slide. Exactly. You're getting that good wraparound, but with that thumb being fully gripped and also padded too as well, you're not sliding. You're going to get locked in. Locked in. Locked in. So what's in, what's in the box is, 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 is more of these. Because they're size. Yes. I have a large. So how do you measure this? Do you have an explanation? Sizing charts online. You have to take a soft tape measure and you're measuring index finger down to the base of your palm and then also circumference Ooh, of your palm as well. It's two measurements. Well, I mean, it's this little thing. It's two, two measurements, too many for Kevin, apparently, but that's okay. I was told there'd be no math. So small, medium, large, extra large, full right, only large at the moment. Full right. There is a full right. You're taking care of the goalies that catch with the wrong hand. Only one size up. It's very generous of you. Check them out. We have them up online. Trinity. I like the paddle wedge. 
Trinity by Paddlewise. 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. You've had this inside a glove. You feel like it really grips. Oh, yeah. You'll see. We will show you. We will have a testimony. You had input on this, and it actually is good. Yeah. Good for you, Cam. Good for you. Check us out at thehockeyshop.com. Thanks, Kevin. Consulting Cam. Designer Cam. Well, the alliteration sounds better, but having designer in your name is, is pretty good, too. Uh, Hutch, there's a lot of benefits uh, to, to this piece of equipment, which it, it actually is becoming is a piece of equipment. No, for sure. You got to check it out on, on the YouTube video if you really want to get a feel for what this is like, or even better, head over to the hockey shop yourself and try it on. Great gift for Christmas because often goaltenders are looking for something, you know, goalie parents are looking for something that's uh, affordable as a gift, and this is a great one. I also had an email fairly recently from a junior A parent saying, oh, my, my kid's talking about getting a practice glove, uh, finds that the shots are really hard at his level, and uh, it just, but I just don't know if I'm ready to make that jump and spend another six, seven hundred bucks on a practice glove. What can I do? And this is the perfect suggestion. So send it along. If you just want to make sure that uh, your son or daughter has that little bit of extra safety as they're facing one, two, three hundred shots in a practice, this is a great way to do it. Maybe they want to keep it on for the game. Maybe they want it just a little bit more feel in the game and they take it off. But uh, a really nice, affordable way to make your goaltending experience better. And for you beer leaguers out there, you know, I was thinking about just taking it and taping it to my forehead, which is where everybody on my team aim. Hey, there's an idea. <laughs> no, I will say one quick thing. I don't think we quite got it in the interview, but after um, we did that gear segment, I was actually trying to size it for a friend. And there is a sizing chart. Um, I wasn't kidding about Corey Davidson. I picked him one up. Um, there is an actual sizing chart on the Hockey Shop website for this product. But one key you got to think of, you probably want it to fit a little snug because if it's a little loose, that's, you know, the, the glove itself, you can have some slippage inside of your goalie glove. So give it, give, make sure when you're doing that sizing chart, if you're in between, probably air towards the size of the smaller end because you want it to fit a little snug. Practice gloves. Yeah. The idea of having a practice glove, if you're playing junior or uh, maybe in, in minor hockey at high levels, that's a big commitment because to go to a practice glove instead of just two game models, like just that's a massive decision with a big cost. Yeah. And to be fair, a lot, we might have a, a lot of uh, goalie parents of young goalies who aren't familiar what we're talking about, but as you said, Darren, major junior pro NCAA goaltenders fairly routinely order a couple of gloves a season, and one of them is a practice glove, which has a much thicker palm to it, uh, stiffer material, much harder to close, something you wouldn't use in a game, but provides a lot more protection for those occasional shots the puck doesn't hit the back of your pocket. Um, so it's a really nice thing at that level. But if you're a little bit younger, you're still facing stingers, aren't you? So this is a great way to deal with them. I think we got to ask Darren, like, Darren, are you practice glove guy when you're out there with the big boys? Mm. No, no, I just have my regular glove and I do feel stingers. So we need to get you one of these. I do. I, this would be outstanding in the idea of being able to just protect your palm a little bit. It's, it's a great idea. I, I love the I idea. I suck at surprises, but guess what you're getting for Christmas? <laughs> uh, I stuck at, suck at surprises too, but uh, I, will, I will gladly take anything that protects your, your hand because it, it always feels like you get it in the first drill and then you got to get through the rest of practice oh they get worse and worse and worse 
Yeah, yeah. And then there's something that gets near that spot and you, you start just couching it. That it's Murphy's law of goaltending. Like there's a rule, right? And I feel like this is like watch this, Darren. Pay attention, folks. This is Kevin trying a segue. If you just catch it in the pocket, it doesn't hurt your palm. Now, we happen to know an NHL goaltender that actually went into a game and maybe wasn't feeling in the first period like his glove was on fire. Like it wasn't, and nothing, not that it was bad, but he just didn't feel great about his glove hand. You know what he did in the intermission? He went into the locker room and used Sensorina virtual reality, set it up in the locker room, in the intermission of an NHL game, and had it fire pucks at his glove, went back out on the ice, Joey Decor did, and felt much better about his glove. So there's a segue into our feature interviews and our sponsor, Hutch, Sense Arena. Some great opportunities from them heading into the holidays. Is there anything I need to add to that? That's a fantastic pitch for Sense Arena. The only thing I'll add is that it's now called NHL Sense Arena, and you can actually go into Joey Decord's locker room as you suit up and get ready to go out and experience that virtual experience as a goaltender. You can use the same puck cannon drill if you want and set it to go at whatever area of the net you want and just repeatedly take shots. If you want to do the Joey Decord thing, you can do the Joey Decord warm up because there's training programs in there and that's one of them. There are several that you can follow to help you. They have diagnostics that can help figure out things you need to work on and can then Uh, tailor some of your training. There are just endless ways for you to become a better goaltender in NHL Sense Arena. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be a few Sense Arena sets appearing under trees this year. And if it's something you want to do, you should probably hop on it fairly quickly uh, with shipping and so on. If you already have an Oculus headset, of course, uh, not an issue. You can just uh, download a trial right now. And you can subscribe anytime, but if you need to get the headset shipped, uh, you're going to have to to wait for that. That's the Meta headset. I'm sorry. Used to be Oculus, didn't it? And uh, and you can do that. And if you want to, you could use the code IGM50 and you'll save a little bit more money. In fact, exactly the amount you need to add an in-goal premium subscription to your Christmas giving this year. A little different than the times when Brian Hayward suited up in the National Hockey League, isn't it? Totally. And this is kind of sort of a fun interview because we get into sort of the evolution of the position and how it used to hurt. Speaking of catching pucks in the pocket, how it used to hurt to take pucks off the body and how the change in equipment um, led to a change in the way goalies play. And who better to talk to about this than Brian Hayward, who, of course, was a member of the Montreal Canadiens when Francois Allaire and Patrick Waugh both arrived and began, in essence, to change the game. Here is Brian Hayward, Ingle Radio Podcast, the feature interview presented by NHL Sense Arena. Really excited to welcome to the Ingle Radio Podcast, a gentleman I've had the pleasure of talking to every time Anaheim comes into Vancouver, but we never sat down for, for a, a quick hit on the Ingle Radio Podcast. Brian Hayward, 30 years after you finished playing, still enjoying the game as an analyst. I guess, first of all, I'm going to go with a, just a big generic question. Why do goalies make the best analysts? <laughs> well, um, I, I think because we see the game in front of us, and I think psychologically goaltenders also 
um, can look back at, at why a goal was scored on them and, and deflect blame from themselves sometimes and say, well, that guy was out of position or he didn't do this and that didn't help the situation. You, know, you always feel like every shot is stoppable, but sometimes uh, I think it, it just helps your own psyche when you can kind of look and say, well, I didn't make the mistake that really caused the goal. So you know how to find where the mistake was really made. We do. Now the question becomes, do you have to have, like, especially early in the career, did you have to walk a line a little bit? Because I think sometimes people just find it easy to blame the goaltender. And I find myself sometimes when I, when I get asked to do radio work and stuff, certainly not in an, in an analyst role, but more like, you know, 20 minutes here and there. Yeah. I'm always, they always say, I'm just, I'm just there to be an apologist for the goaltenders. I'm probably harder on goaltenders than most goalie analysts, I, I would have to say. And and quite frankly, I mean, the game has changed so much from when I played. It, it's a completely different style that these guys play. The equipment is completely different. They're much bigger. They fill up a lot more than that. So there's, there's a lot of things uh, that have changed in the goaltending position, certainly since, since I played. I was going to say, because actually probably one of the flip sides of that is we do hear other analysts sometimes say, oh, the goalie didn't have a chance on that. And I tend to look at it sometimes like, did he give himself a chance? So you probably have the ability to recognize when, hey, maybe the empty netter shouldn't have been an empty netter. Yeah. But you know what? It, it, there are so many more players now that can finish than there used to be, right? And the stick, sticks are so much different now that the, the pucks are coming a little bit faster, I believe. And, and there are more players that shoot the puck more accurately and harder than than they there were certainly when I played. Um, so so there are instances where the goaltender had no chance whatsoever. Um, but the, I, I still believe that you know the bottom line is you can play any situation differently and make a stop on a puck. It all depends on the read. Okay, so you talked about how much the game has evolved, how much the position has evolved, how much the equipment has evolved. Um, which, which one do you think led the way? Like, do you think for, for the guys that played and your career finished in 93, a decade before that, and obviously at Cornell for four years before that, but the guys that played in that era, I've, I've talked to them about the fear factor, about how much it hurt to stop a puck with certain parts of the body. Do you think that when that disappeared, that's when we saw some of the styles change versus the style creating different equipment? Well, it, it, it made a lot of sense for me that the, the butterfly style evolved, I believe, like really truly evolved when the chest and arm protection got to the point where those parts of the body were more exposed. They were lower in the net. And, and so it made sense. It, you know, just, you know, it filled up more of the net when guys went down on their knees and, and more of their body was in the net and not above the crossbar. That makes sense, right? And, and that happens when chest and arm protection got to the point where guys weren't getting hurt all the time by high shots. So that was a contributing factor. But to me, the big thing, and I've talked to Kay Whitmore a number of times at the NHL about this. To me, the biggest change is the, the height of the goal pads, you know, new materials, lighter weight, but the height of the goal pad above the knee itself, you're now talking to an old goaltender that used to struggle with closing the five hole. And now if all you have to do is fall down and you don't need to have your stick on the ice and that closes the five hole, it also, as you know, closes other holes. So to me, that's a, just one of the huge changes in equipment that really revolutionized the position where 
I'm told the gold pads are only supposed to be mid-thigh. As we all know, they're all to the hip height. And, that, and for people to understand that that makes just an enormous difference in how you play the position, I think is important to understand. Well, I remember Mitch Korn saying back in the day, he, in his scouting reports, he used to look for, the word he used was contortability. And now, as you said, you don't necessarily, I mean, you need to have some butterfly flair, but for the most part, you don't require that contortability to close the five hole anymore. No, knee wedge too is a big thing too, where the pads flip forward. But, but um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's certainly um, different. There's more, um, there's more science to it, but I still find that the best goaltenders are the ones that read the play. Um, you don't always have to go down into a reverse V when the puck's below the dot. If there's no one around the front of the net, why not stand up and protect the top corners? Shesterkin does it pretty darn well in New York, and uh, so Sorokin does as well. So I, I, I think the best guys separate themselves uh, from the rest of the class, if you will, um, by, by the way that they read the play, much like quarterbacks do in the NFL. I wanted to talk a little bit about like that evolution because you were with the Canadians when this sort of started, right? Like yep. the idea of the butterfly and and obviously uh, Francois Lair and and Patrick Waugh. What being firsthand to sort of see this change? What was that like for you? Because you played a different style at the time. Yeah. Well, so what the do you remember the process? Well, what I remember was so the equipment hadn't changed yet, right? right. The, and, and that's important. So uh, I, I actually have pictures of me going down into the butterfly where the side of my pad is facing forward. The outside side of my pad is facing forward, which isn't really effective, right? Um, and, and Francois was really just evolving his methodology at the time. It worked, obviously, for Patrick because Patrick had great flexibility naturally in his hips. So he had a lot of coverage down low, and, and so they were, they were really well-suited for one another. I didn't have that, and as, as I mentioned, the, the pads hadn't changed the fact where everyone had a good butterfly technique like they do now. And so for a guy with hips that weren't all that flexible, I was you know, committed to playing a stand-up style. It worked for me. That's what made me effective during that era. And so I wasn't going to change, too. I was a little bit older as well. So there was the old dog and, uh, and new tricks. Sometimes I wish I'd listen a little bit more to Frank. But I always tell a funny story that um, the first time that Alaire came on the ice with the Canadians, um, we were playing the New York Islanders. And, and he had us doing uh, you know, goalie movement drills at the morning skate off to the side. And I looked over my shoulder, and Billy Smith and Kelly Rudy were busting a gut laughing so hard, right? Because it, you, you had never seen that before. And uh, anyways, it, 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 it's always kind of stuck with me that Frank was ahead of his time. He was, he was also involved with the development of the equipment to really allow goaltenders to play the style that he envisioned being the best style. You know, that last part is one of the reasons we keep saying, and we're biased here at Ingle, 100%, goalie union cards are intact, but we keep saying that it's time for a goalie coach to get into the Hall of Fame. And if there should be one that leads the way, it's Francois, because it wasn't just, whether you liked the equipment changes or right. thought they opened an era to something that, you know, a horse they couldn't put back in the barn, he was involved in every aspect and really yeah. did change the game during that era. No, he did. Yeah, he did. No question about it. And 
You know, he's he is. It's interesting because you know Francois. Not only was I exposed to him as a player in Montreal, I was exposed to him um, as a coach as he worked with Jay Chaguer, who was the perfect student right. for Francois, right? Because Jiggy was. He was built differently than most goaltenders. He was built like a middle linebacker. He had incredibly explosive power in his legs. Wasn't great in terms of using his hands. So he was a blocker. And that fit perfectly with what Frank was teaching. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. If, if, if it's time for a goaltending coach to get in there, Allaire's got to be the guy. What other things have you seen in recent years? You talk about reading the game. Interesting. Um, I think that's one of the things we've tried to do at Ingle. We do these videos with the goalies where they break down saves and what the information they're trying to process in real time. And it always amazes me. I do think there are times where maybe that gets lost a little bit. The ability to anticipate. Back in your day, there was probably a little baiting going on as well. You would show a shoot or something and then take it away. Yeah. Now it's about filling space. And contorting your bodies, as you mentioned, to you know, give yourself the best odds of filling as much space and being as square to the puck as you possibly can. But I, I, I do still find that the reads uh, play a pivotal role in, in you know, now that I, I think the line is even finer. One save often makes the difference in the end result you get at the end of a game, right? So it's, it's the one that through repetition or through just natural ability or through the reads that that individual gets on any given night, uh, they're the ones that become the great goaltenders of this modern era. Your era, the puck hurt more, yeah. but I've had a few goalies, so can't make that comparison, but I've had a few goalies this year say, man, like I feel like the game's never been tougher for us. When you watch offenses and the dynamic nature of some of these young players, you have some here in Anaheim. Different. I, I, I would say the game is it's different um, than it used to be. It, it's, I, I kind of laugh when I hear young goaltenders say that because they don't know what it's like to get hurt repeatedly in practice and in games. To have, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a goaltender leave a game because he was hurt by a shot. I, I honestly... It happens so rarely where it used to be very commonplace. And, and that has a huge, a huge effect in my mind. Are the players more skilled? No question. Are the shots coming harder? And are there more people that can, can shoot it accurately? No question. But is it, is it harder? I have, a, I have a tough time believing that. You've probably got a few bruises that lasted for weeks well, and weeks I, and I, weeks that I, would I, argue different. I have another story, and, and that's a, a Jay Shaguer story where uh, Mike Greenlay, who was a ex-minor league goaltender, was an analyst in the NHL for many years, was working with us, and he was a radio analyst in Anaheim for many years. And Mike would always, Mike and I both would kid JS about the layers of equipment that he had on, and uh, we used to crack up. And, and Jay, and especially his knee protection that he wore underneath his pants, it was huge. And uh, and I was bugging him one day and teasing him about it. And he said, if I don't have that, I could get a bruise. And, and we just cracked up with that. Oh, God forbid. God forbid that you would get a bruise, JS. <laughs> I, it really was a different time back then. Wait, can you, can, just to rewind it a little bit as we wrap up, how'd you fall in love with the position? How'd you get started? Well, like I, I think like a lot of people... Uh, 
I was the young guy in my neighborhood. I had an older brother who's two and a half years older than we me. Get on, that's one of the more common ones. Yeah. And uh, and so they would they stuck me in the net, and I was good at it. So it allowed me to play with the big kids. And, uh, and, and that's why I stuck with it. You know, you had success with something early, and it just kind of went from there. What point did you know it was something that, like, hey, this is, you know, you end up at Cornell, a, a school famous for goaltending. What, what drew you there? At what point did you think, hey, this is something I could do f- as a career? Well, uh, first of all, I, I was only there because um, I, I saw hockey as an avenue to get a good education. And I, I didn't have aspirations or plans to play pro hockey, but um, we had an excellent coaching staff there. We had an assistant coach named Lou Raycroft, who was a college goaltender. And um, I, I started to have a success, and our team wasn't great. And so the goaltenders got a lot of exposure. And I was there with another goaltender that played in the NHL, Darren Elliott. So we were there at the same time and competing with one another pushing one another to play and um, it it just kind of evolved and worked out in the sense that my senior year um, I had a great year it was all-american and all of a sudden back then there was kind of a loophole that players that went undrafted I had mono missed my entire draft year so was not drafted so there was no catch-all for a guy like me other than I was an unrestricted free agent so all-american goaltender unrestricted free agent there were a bunch of teams that that wanted to sign me and i just went down the rosters and said winnipeg jets i can make that team quicker so i signed with the jets and uh, that's how i ended up in the nhl and quickly too real quick first year yeah 22 year old kid first game playing against the philadelphia flyers and my childhood idol was daryl sittler and he got a breakaway on me, and I might as well have just skated into the corner of the rink because I, I had—I was so in awe of Sittler as a kid. I remembered him, and he won the game, but Sittler scored on me. I'll never forget that. Okay, listen, you got to go because it's game day here, and you got a job to do. But I feel like we're just scratching the surface of some of these career <laughs> stories, Brian. Thank you so much. I, mean, I guess that just means we have to have you back for a part two one of these next time Anaheim's in town. Anytime. Brian Hayward, uh, Anaheim Duck analyst. There's part of the population that will not even realize that he was a longtime goaltender. So I feel like we have to reinforce that side of it. Also, Cornell product. He was a goalie partner of my buddy, Darren Elliott. So I get to hear Brian Hayward's stories uh, all the time. Uh, I watched him in Winnipeg. It was the first time that I was uh, aware of him. And uh, he, he was uh, a guy that stuck with it. Like He, he, he was a grinder in, in the National Hockey League. Had a good career, and it's funny he mentions his time with Brian, um, with Darren, in uh, in Cornell, and opportunities that he. I mean, he he chose school to get an education, as you heard him say, right? Like it wasn't about a path to the NHL, but opportunity arose, and as he said in the interview, he picked Winnipeg because that's where he knew he'd have a chance to play. And you know, we talk a lot about goalies coming out of school and going straight to the NHL. Like his path was quick into the National Hockey League with Winnipeg. There's a lot of that focus right now around Devin Levi and the Buffalo Sabres. Um, You know, Brian Hayward's a guy who made that transition really quickly. A double feature interview uh, episode this week as we welcome in Dusty Nickel from the uh, Calgary Flames. Heard of him? Dusty Nickel, the e-bug for the Calgary Flames, who also got to back up for a game 
the other night for the Calgary Flames. Uh, Hutch, uh, you were able to do this interview. Uh, walk us through for those that weren't around the NHL that night for that developing story. Well, first, just want to mention that a uh, good friend of In Goal magazine, uh, Pete Martin, who runs Pro Skate Goal in Calgary, uh, knows just about every goaltender in Alberta and um, much wider than that as well, sent me a text and just said, hey, Dusty Nickel, great story, was in the shop the other day chatting with us. Would you like to have him on the podcast? And of course, we were uh, thrilled to have Dusty join us because there's a lot of beer league goalies that listen to this podcast. A lot of us talk about the e-bug experience. Uh, that's the emergency backup goalie, if you're uh, not familiar with the term. Um, a lot of us dream of having that opportunity to step into an NHL net, even if it's just for the warm-up of a game and watch from the best seats in the house. And Dusty had that experience recently with Calgary. He's been there e-bug for a long time. He's practiced with the team quite a bit. And uh, like you guys, he is also a beer league goaltender. So Calgary had a situation where Jacob Markstrom became ill fairly late, uh, too late to bring up a goaltender from the American Hockey League. and so. Uh, Dusty got that text message saying it's happening tonight. Let's go. Didn't have a whole lot of time. Could barely let friends and family know and he had to race to the rink. And uh, I, I just thought it was fun to talk to him about this experience. And more more importantly, he gave us an insight into that whole e-bug experience. What's it like to practice with the team? What's it like to be the e-bug? Exactly what's going on there. And uh, And what was his reaction, as you brought up earlier, Darren, when it looked like he might actually be going into the game against the defending Stanley Cup champions for pretty much the entire game. Uh, didn't, didn't happen, and I think his reaction wasn't the way the media actually portray it, and I brought that up because I've sort of thought about what my reaction might be. And uh, anyway, just, just a fun little chat, and we'll, we'll let everybody hear it now. Hold on. I know what my reaction would be. What? Clean up. What's that? Clean up in aisle four. Clean up on the bench. <laughs> I said on the air. I would love to have had, uh, if he was wearing his, his smartwatch at the time, just to see where the heart rate was going when William Carrier rolled into Dan Vladar on the play and Vladar was down for a couple of seconds. And our director, uh, Joel Myers, on the Vegas broadcast was right on it. Like He had the extreme close-up in on Dusty uh, on the bench and uh, our announcers, Dave Gosher and, and Shane Natty, talking about what is going through that kid's mind? Well, now you can find out. It's Sensorina VR, NHL Sensorina VR, feature interview part two. Dusty Nickel from e-bug to backup and almost into the game. Living the dream on Ingle Radio, the podcast. I am very pleased to be joined by Dusty Nickel, who had the experience of a lifetime recently, not just being an e-bug in the rink, but actually dressing for the Calgary Flames, which we're going to talk about soon. But before that, Dusty, welcome. And uh, could you give us a little bit of a background of you as a goaltender and how you ended up connected with the Flames? Yeah, first of all, thanks, Dave, for having me. Um, yeah, I'll give you a bit of a background. Obviously, I was a, I was a Calgary born and raised kid. Uh, which makes the experience all how much more cool being growing up a Flames fan since I was uh, uh, since I started putting on skates. The dream was always eventually maybe playing the NHL and you're wearing the Flames jersey, playing mini sticks, uh, you know, with friends. So it's uh, uh, did that and kind of came up through the minor hockey ranks. Played for Crowchild Minor Hockey, uh, and then went to the Northwest Quadrant. Uh, spent a year playing for the Edge School. Okay, uh, and my year went and played for the varsity team there, which was an awesome experience and uh, a great way to, to 
to kind of finish off that that portion of my career there and went on to uh, I was kind of looking for some junior teams after that and kind of played around a little bit with uh, going to some Western League camps and some opportunities to do that. Um, ultimately, my goal was after kind of touring a few colleges when we were at the edge was I wanted to go go play college, go play Div 1 somewhere or, or play a collegiate game, uh, get an education. Uh, so I went to the junior route and uh, had some fun doing that. And I uh, played with Calgary Canucks, Kinsley Clippers for a little bit. Um, ultimately, kind of had some kind of the road kind of started, uh, had a few injuries and, uh, I got sick one year. So I was kind of out for a year there to deal with that. And, um, ultimately ended up going to, uh, to Mount Royal, uh, college, uh, Mount Royal university there and played for the Cougars. And, okay. uh, was there for four years. And unfortunately my, uh, my second year in blew up my knee, tore my ACL, MCL meniscus. And, uh, that was a long road recovery, but stuck with it and stuck with the team, got an education. And, um, from that, it kind of spawned off into the flame stuff, I guess, a few years later. Right on. So, so how long ago was that you finished college hockey? I would have finished in 2016. 2016. So 2016. Yes. So about six, seven years ago. Yes. What have, yes. What have, what have you been doing in the meantime? Are you a little, little bit of beer league, a little recreational stuff? Uh, yeah. After, after college, uh, actually we all put the pads away for about two years almost. And, uh, it was just kind of coaching and, uh, uh, went into the real world and started working and, uh, but yeah, since then I've been, you know, I play a little men's league hockey here in town and jump out with the guys. And, uh, it been in 2019, uh, I started skating a little bit with the flames guys, just kind of doing one-off skates with injured guys. Um, when they need some rehab, they need a goalie out there. Um, well, how does that happen? You don't just show up at a rink and see a bunch of flames, do you? No, no, no. I guess being a college guy, they just kind of called around and, uh, and knew, you know, either us or UFC dinos, um, somebody knew somebody. Yeah, exactly. You just kind of know somebody in that, and that's kind of what they reach out to. And, uh, you know, if you know someone, uh, the, the torch got to be passed along down through guys that know each other in college, and they kind of hand out the numbers, and that's kind of how it goes. Nice. And so you ended up, over the last few years, practicing with the Flames a little bit? Yes. Yeah, every year it's increased a little bit more. Um, it started off just doing, you know, skates with guys that were hurt. Uh, we're doing rehab. I just want to get some, you know, some skills practices in. Um and then, you know, this last year, it's been a lot more. They've been having me out with team practices, like out with the Flames, um, uh, doing like summer skates. You know, I spent kind of a whole summer skate with the guys there, obviously. Um, Markstrom and Vladar and Wolfie and Daz, those guys, a lot of those are, are here in town during the summer, and some guys still stick around here. Sure. Um, so we were doing summer skates. I, I jump up with them doing that. Um, and then uh, with the Wranglers being in town here as well, uh, I'm skating with them a fair bit as well in between. Double the fun for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, have you been filling that e-bug role in the rink in the last few years as well? Yes, I have been. Yeah. So yeah. starting last year, we started full-time. We had the, obviously the, uh, like the COVID years and the bubble years. So they had the, the taxi squad there. So they had nobody then. And, um, yeah, for the last two years we've been, we've been doing that. Are there a few of you doing this or, uh, it's just me, just wow. me. Yeah. So you're oh, there every game. Doing every game. Uh, go to the rink. Usually, the the standard procedure is kind of about a half hour, hour before the game. I'm going there, and uh, you know they're awesome. You can jump in there, you can have a meal with the media guys before the game, and, and hang out, and then sit out the press box and uh, and watch the game from there. Where's your gear? Do you bring it in every time? Does it stay at the rink? Uh, sometimes it's at the rink. If I skated in the last few days, I'll kind of leave it in the. There's another few dressing rooms down in the dome, so I'll sometimes leave it there. Um, sometimes I'm skating elsewhere at Win Sport or uh, playing men's leagues. So I got to take it home, so. Other days it's uh, in my truck. Uh, on the days that it's about minus thirty, I'll usually pull it into the ring just in case I got to put it on. 
and for the for the people who are a little bit new to this, and I, and I know some of the goalie parents who listen will be new, the term e-bug, emergency backup goaltender, uh, you're there as a, as a third in the NHL rink in case somebody gets hurt during the game and they need to bring somebody in, as has happened before. Um, so you're telling me on a normal e-bug night, if you haven't already got your gear at the rink, it's getting chilly in your truck while you're sitting and you might have to run out to the truck in the event something happens? It has happened a couple of times, yes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of years ago I dressed for uh, Nashville. Uh, Pecorini got hurt. Okay. Uh, kind of late, middle, kind of middle of the third period, I think it was. And uh, yeah, gear was out in the truck, so I just jumped out of the press box, ripped down the elevator, went for a quick little sprint. Yeah. Uh, my gear and hold it in. I, I, I get pretty good parking. Park right in the players' parking lot, kind of right by the Zamboni gates there, so it's not too far. I got to go. Uh, grab it, run in, and start getting dressed. There's no time for uh, for a warm up. I can imagine if they actually need you on the ice for something and they're, oh, sorry, we got to wait another couple of minutes. He's running to the truck. Yeah. <laughs> now, now yeah. normally if you're the e-bug um, and you do have to dress during a game, I, I, you don't get to go on the bench is my understanding. But Correct. in this case, what happened recently is that uh, you knew before the game. So that changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, just, just, maybe, just a little bit before the game. That was all I'd, uh, I woke up from a nap and, uh, saw the text message from Jason LaBarbera there and, uh, another one as well from Mike Burke. And, uh, when you, when you roll over and you wake up, you know, a couple hours before a game and you see a text from those two, something's up, you know that. So the heart starts going a little bit and De- dedicated uh, e-bug. I got to say, if you're taking that afternoon nap. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? And, uh, yeah, you know what? It's, uh, I've always, I've always enjoyed it and it's been fun. I think it's just maybe a bit of my nature. It's, uh, I, you, you want to take the role seriously. You never know when that opportunity might you pop never up. Know. And I've, I, even the kids I coach, I always tell them, you know, you're better to be overprepared and not needed than, uh, to not be prepared and, and have to go do that. Right. So there you go. So you had what, like an hour and a half of warning or something here? Uh, yeah, probably about that. Yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, the, the first text was, Hey, just kind of, you know, heads up letting you know that there uh, might be a scenario here. And uh, at that point, I was like, oh, maybe I should, you know, start getting ready a little bit earlier at home. And uh, about 20 minutes later, uh, the next text from Jason was, uh, it's happening. Nice. And that was it. I was like, uh, I was waiting for the, I'm just kidding. And uh, that never came. And then there was a phone <laughs> call. Was like, yeah, we got to, it's, it's happening. Like you're dressing tonight. Heart's got to be fluttering. It, it did a little, I did a little bit of breathing and I kind of called myself. I was like, okay, I got to get myself in order here and uh, uh, get myself ready. Make sure I'm not forgetting anything out the door. Cause that would be a, that'd be a bad scenario. Otherwise. How many text messages did you have time to send to warn people this was happening? <laughs> not very many. I had, uh, I had been uh, texting my dad in a group chat with the other goalie coaches, our, our group there. And uh, just kind of proves about some other stuff. And Got to cut those conversations out. I said, yeah, I got to go. Uh, I think I'm dressing tonight and pretty well turned the phone off after that. Is it different than the, than the other times when you know you're dressing? Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know what? Kind of going through those other times as well. Um, you know, in some ways, someone kind of prepare you for it. You kind of know what you're going into a little bit. You get a little bit more notice here. Was, you know, when you're kind of told, yeah, you got to go grab your gear, put cold gear on, and you got to be ready in 20 minutes. Um, especially for someone who likes to get a warm up in and get the body feeling good, usually before you go do that when you want to play at that level with the guys. For um, sure. You know, it, it was nice having a, a little bit more warning. And uh, uh, I know they were kind of joking. It's a pretty quick turnaround. And I guess when you're used to showing up at the ring for men's league about 40 minutes before and, and doing it all as an hour and a half was plenty of time for me. Yeah, right on. Are you in the main room with the guys or do they stick you into in a different dressing room? Uh, yeah, they threw me right in the main room with the guys there. So I got a stall in there. Uh, I sat beside uh, uh, Dubé. 
uh, which is awesome. We, we've, we've known each other for, for a few years, uh, kind of outside the ranks as well. So it was nice to have a, a face around that, you know, and have some fun with there and, um, obviously skate with the guys multiple times. It, it wasn't like you're walking in a room and, um, seeing a bunch of guys you didn't know. Right. Um, I got a pretty good chuckle when I walked in the room and we're all smiles and having some fun with it. So what percentage of it is them being nice to you? And what percentage is it that they already know you? So there's maybe a little chirping going on. Uh, you know, it was pretty, the other were having a good, good, uh, good crack of board. I think they, uh, somebody threw my name up on the board for a hundred bucks <laughs> without, without me knowing. So, uh, I don't know what the payout is on that yet. I'm going to follow up on that one. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, but you know, some guys, once I got there, they're already kind of going through their pregame, um, and kind of pregame routines. And I kind of got in there and just threw my gear in the stall and they had video video session coming pretty soon. So I kind of grabbed my undergear and I didn't want to be in their way doing that and ripped over to a side room and kind of threw my undergear on and floated around for a little bit. And kind of after the game, I actually eventually, I couldn't remember where I put anything afterwards. I was, <laughs> it's such oh, a rush. Really? Uh, yeah, I couldn't remember what room all my clothes were in and my phone or nothing. So not not enough time for sewer ball with the boys before the game. No, we got we got a little bit of sewer ball oh, in, too. Yeah, we got a little sewer ball and a uh, dynamic warm-up in. and uh, But it was, uh, you know, we got there and... I had, I had a pair of blue pants still from Mount Royal Cougars days. And uh, the guy looked like, yeah, you can't, you can't be going out there in, in blue pants. We got to get you something else. So they went and grabbed the trailer. Like, can we get, can we get Dusty some real pants? And uh, so I, I went out and came back and they had a brand new pair of pants. I had to borrow uh, like they're, they're actually Wolfie's pants that were still in the dome. They were, they were brand new ones that he hadn't worn yet. Oh geez. Um, worked out well that we were both the same size at least. And uh, they're a little stiff and uh, obviously, you know, whirlwind of it all then on top of it they're saying hey throw on some new gear uh <laughs> you're, and, you're and, now what everything. about um like what what about the pads and gloves and everything because the nhl normally approves those the little bit of leeway for the e-bugs uh i think they do yeah so yeah. um yeah so all, all that was always in mind there but i think it's i don't think we have time to, to deal with that part of it <laughs> uh okay so you get out there for the warm-up probably the biggest crowd you've ever played in front of what was the biggest crowd you had played in front of when you were in the in the aj or the sj or whatever uh you know it probably would have been around that three thousand somewhere mark probably somewhere in there and some of the junior ranks uh you know we've had uh, uh you know the college games at the dome there too uh where there's been some pretty big crowds but nice um definitely a little more intense when you got the the buzz all around it a little brighter a little louder yeah i think that was kind of the first moment once i got to the rink and um, you know, you do your off ice work, you get moving. Like, I was more excited. I wasn't even, you no, know, really nervous, just excited to go do it. It's just kind of having some fun with it. Yeah. And, uh, got the warm up in the dress with the boys and, you know, the tunes popping, having a good time. Um, and then that first moment when you kind of walk out the tunnel warm up and, you know, I've walked through that tunnel multiple times in practices and other events and whatever else not. And, uh, it's a little different when the lights are down and the, the, the tunes are blasting, you come out and the crowd's there. Uh, when you walk out, you kind of pinch yourself a little bit and, uh, you kind of, everything gets a little bit blurrier. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, no, I'm sure it does. And then how about the warm ups? Like what's that like? You just trying to stay out of the way or do you feel comfortable out there and just doing your thing? What, what's happening? Yeah. I mean, those guys, like, it's every NHL team, they have their warm up routine and it's like clockwork, right? Guys know where they go. And yep. I'm kind of like a, a bent piece out of shape out there. Not quite yeah. sure where to be. And there's no playbook. No one really kind of told me anything what was going on. It was just all so fast. And yeah, the goal is just kind of stay out of everybody's way. Um, I've watched warm-ups from above, so I kind of knew what was going on. You know, but it's been a while since I've been in a warm-up where, you know, you actually got 20 bodies on the ice flying around and pucks ripping. So I uh, wasn't quite sure where to be. And there was one instance where I, I knew Vladdy was probably going to go for uh, kind of be ending his run in the net there for a warm-up. And 
I tried to peel off down the wall and Backlund came ripping up the other wall with his head down there. And I, we had a little bit of a collision. Oops. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, oh that's happened. So we got to get chocolate out of it afterwards. And uh, uh, I like to say, I was just trying to get him ready for the game and get his head up. Right on. Any time to toss a family member a puck or something? Uh, no, I didn't know. I had uh, that warm up. It, it seemed like it went by in a blink of an eye. Uh, it it happened it pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, went out there and uh, started taking some reps. And I think at some point, took a puck off the knob of my stick and uh, it must have broke my stick. And uh, I didn't realize that we played the kind of the last puck out. And then I went to skate away and I was like, oh, I got, I got you know, a few minutes on the clock. I'll play some pass and rip some pucks out here and kind of just soak in every minute of this that I could. And uh, went to kind of grab the top of my stick and I dropped my stick. And I was kind of a little embarrassed at first. I was like, oh, I'm dropping my stick and warm up here. Like, this is bad. And <laughs> I looked down, I couldn't find the other half of it. So I just kind of picked it up and shrugged. I was like, Okay, well, I guess we're uh, warm ups over. <laughs> I just took off and went down the tunnel. Well, that's funny. I hope the team helps you out with a stick or two. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So they, uh, they found me some sticks from the back and uh, I quickly taped those up, make sure I had them ready for the game. Right on. So, so the game itself, I'm just going to read you something from the Calgary Sun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I am sorry, I apologize. I don't have the writer's name. It was barely two and a half minutes into the game, and Dusty Nickel was sitting on the Saddle Dome bench staring at Dan Vladar, hoping and praying the Calgary Flames goaltender would get up. Now, I've heard variations of that about your story and about several other stories, including one that happened here in Vancouver many years ago. And I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, I want to call BS on that because I'd probably be sitting there saying, I hope you don't get up. You got nothing to lose. (laughs) They're probably supposed to put 20 by you if you do get in there. Yeah, so you, can't lose that. you want your experience. So come on, there must've been a little bit of you thinking this is going to be cool. Uh, oh, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, it, it just, there was so much coming at me in the moment and guys were like, Oh, I, I think I was nervous or panicking. And, um, I can, you know, say hand in my heart. It wasn't really a nervous or a panic. There was, uh, more of a disbelief. I think of just kind of like, you're finally after everything's going on. You're like, Hey, I'm just soaking everything in. There's just so much stimulation, right? You're just, you know, you haven't really gone through a routine of thinking, hey, I'm playing a game. You're just right. really just trying to be there. And, um, you know, again, like I said, try to stay out of the guy's ways and and uh, just really soak in the moment. Um, and then that kind of happens. You're not really mentally <laughs> thinking you're, you're going into a game. And and uh, Vladdy took a pretty pretty big bump there. And uh, one of the guys said, and I heard the guys beside me started screaming, Dusty, get ready. I was right like, so I kind of looked over. And uh, to be honest, at this point, Going back to, I warmed up and the guys asked me if I wanted a shirt for my skates before the game. I was like, no, no, I, I don't want to be made. And it's like, you're all, we're all good. And then I went for warm ups and I was like, uh, edges were feeling a little bit duller. Oops. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was in the room with a, uh, with a wide tool, trying to shirt my skates. And, and, uh, Rasmus Anderson was looking at me and he was like, you know, the guys can sharpen those for you if you want to. Right. I was like, no, no, I like, I don't, I don't want to be a hassle. Like they have more important <laughs> things to do with me. And then, so in that moment, when Vladdy got hit, I was kind of looking, I was like, I think I probably should have got my skate sharpened before we, before this, before we got into this, right? So, um, you know, yeah, you know, you'd be excited to be to, to play a game for sure. Fifty-seven minutes to get to defending Stanley Cup champions. You know, when you've been given an hour and a half notice and uh, a little bit different, you're starting to think like, okay, well, this could be interesting for sure. And obviously, there's a part of you hoping for the team that Dan was getting up, but uh, yeah, but yes. I'm sure excited. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, the last three minutes. If it was the flip flop the other way around, and uh, you know, there's an opportunity, you didn't have a whole lot of pressure. Yeah, that would have been, been awesome. Uh, you definitely want the guy in there that's going to be 
giving you the best chance to win two points though. hundred percent. It was a heck of a game for Dan and for the team, wasn't it? He played phenomenal. That's that's uh, I mean, he was an absolute, he was battling a lot. I mean, obviously not getting a lot of warm up, uh, a lot of warning himself. Um, I know we got kind of a bit of a bag skate in the morning too. Uh, he was pretty exhausted going into that. And then, you know, maybe the best thing that happened there was when he did get that bump, there's no better way to, to get into a game and wake you up and, and, uh, and be in it. And he was just, I didn't even want to talk to him. Like, like what do you say to the guy between the, the breaks and all that? Um, he was just so dialed. Yeah. Was absolutely dialed in. So. And, and for, again, for the people who aren't as familiar, uh, listening in that he was scheduled to be the backup that night. And typically in the morning skate, uh, one of the backup duties really is to stay out there for a long time and work with the players who need some extra work, maybe do some extra work himself. Uh, so they're skating a lot more that morning than uh, the starter would in preparing for a game. Maybe that's maybe that was the key. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to replicate that. He I don't was, know if I, if I was you, I'd be claiming that you were the reason that he played so well. So I think yeah. they need to let you back on the bench next time he's starting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hey, listen, in all the time you're doing practicing with the team over the last couple of years, um, do you ever talk about it being a bigger role about being a full-time job as I know some teams are exploring now? Uh, yeah, you know, there's been background conversations kind of about that, that, you know, they could see sometime in the future here, you know, some rule changes coming around that, that and transforming that e-bug role, I guess, um, into something that's more of a, a full-time guy, um, you know, that's, that's up to GMs and, and teams to look at how they're gonna do that. And I mean, that's obviously kind of a tricky, um, uh, thing to kind of figure out given how often it really happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, you, a lot of guys want to play games and it's kind of probably hard to find guys that are, you know, I enjoy going there and practicing the boys and doing that. I'm fine with that. And, but if you got a guy that's, you know, an NHL caliber goalie, so to say, you know, does he want to be practicing every day or could you go play out in Europe and get, you know, enjoy playing games and things like that. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's all going to transform into. I think every time, um, this situation happens, there's definitely a lot more buzz and talk about it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where that's all going to going to go into. I mean, for me, the, the experience is, is awesome. Just do, do that and skate. It's fun. That, oh, that's that's all I need out of it. For sure. Have you been back to your beer league team since? Uh, I have not. I actually had a beer league game that night. At uh, ten forty five, didn't make it. <laughs> oh, I bet you the boys were upset. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So we all coming up here. We got a, we got a Flames game here tonight, so we'll be back at the rink doing that. Which is uh, we have a bit of a home stand here. And um, the next morning, I was actually supposed to go skate with the Wranglers. Uh, we had a development day with them, and uh, that ended up getting canceled. I needed a bit of a break, but uh, that was kind of where I, I was kind of hoping to go do that because that's, that's where you want to be as a goal. It increases home, right? And that was with all the buzz that was going around. It was. Uh, I was like, I just kind of want to get, I want to go back. I want to do it again. I want to, I want to be on the ice right now. Oh yeah. I'd I'd love to know what the guys in your next beer league game are, are saying to you. So yeah, oh, there's to, be some pressure on me now. I think I got to really perform. Yeah. Come on show boy. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then w- when you are going to have to dress for a game, you have to sign an amateur uh, tryout contract. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's that little experience like? Are they just sort of rustle you off into the trainer's room and sign here or. Yeah, What's basically just, rest all, just kind of in the stall. The guys just bring it in there. There's a little piece of paper, sign it, and that's kind of it. <laughs> don't even look at it. There's uh, there's definitely no negotiating. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no I'm negotiating. So you don't get you don't get <laughs> yeah. NHL money for doing this as an amateur tryout. Well, Do you get yes. to walk away with anything? Do you get one of the sticks? Did you get a your jersey? Uh, they so far um they kept the jersey. Cause I, got, I got thrown in the wash right after the game anyway. So um you know that's uh, I, I assume I, I hope so. It'd be kind of a cool cool keepsake to keep that. 
Um, uh, obviously, the sticks, I broke mine, so I had to take those ones if I was going to go play anywhere else. I guess I had to take the sticks and uh, got a sweater, the hat, um, and they were kind enough to give me uh, the official um, uh, roster sheet that was submitted. So uh, awesome. they, they still have it in their possession now. I, I think they're uh, they're going to kind of frame it up and uh, and kind of make, make it look all nice. So Right on. Maybe they need to keep the jersey just in case for another time this year. Maybe, maybe just in case, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was there one, one or two things that uh, surprised you about the experience? And I know you've been around this before and you've seen it, but, but was there anything unexpected about the whole thing in, in, in a good way that maybe you didn't think was going to happen? You know what? It was, it was just such a whirlwind. The whole thing was just such a... Like, I mean, the whole the whole event was a surprise for sure. Yeah. Um, and just trying to soak it all in. You know what? To write the script the way that it was couldn't have been better. The, the suspense of it all, this, the Fenley Stanley Cup champions coming in, Vladdy getting run over a few times, you know, kind of having that maybe we're going this way. Um, great goaltending duel. You got, you know, it's a cool storyline, I think, with three Calgary-born goalies. Uh, you know, I was surprised that, you know, neither of us, I've never crossed paths with them before until that, that point, so... Um, kind of interesting there. And then obviously overtime, late win, get out, jump out the Sally like that. It's, I don't think you could have written a, a, a cooler script, um, uh, for it all. Pretty awesome. Did you get to go out with the boys and have a little celebration afterwards? Uh, it was a Monday night. We all thought we were skating in the morning. So no, oh, no. Was, uh, I can, uh, I can admit I didn't get much sleep that night. That's for sure. So, uh, I bet you didn't. pretty amped up and, uh, but, uh, no, nothing, nothing crazy after the game. Just. I got the boys in the lounge there afterwards and had a, had a little dinner in the dressing room and uh, enjoyed it all. Fantastic. Fantastic. So when you're not being an emergency backup in the National Hockey League or a practice goaltender, uh, you do do some goalie coaching. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So uh, I've been goalie coaching for since I was kind of like 15 years old. Um, I started coaching. My goalie coach since I was about nine years old. You guys know him was uh, Eli Wilson growing up. So Eli was my goalie coach for multiple, multiple years for a lot of, long, long time. And Works uh, kind with of my son every year. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, you know, we, we've chatted every now and then still. And um, so used to work with him when I was really, really young. And, uh, yeah, now we're going to come here in Calgary called Apex Goaltending. Uh, so there's three of us, myself, uh, Mike Berggren, who's the Cal- uh, goalie coach here for the Calgary Canucks, uh, the junior A team here. And he's got a background coaching in the Western League and been around for a while. Um, and then our partner is uh, uh, Theo Zubot, who's the Calgary Hitman goalie coach. Okay. Um, so the three of us run our programs here and uh, work with the associations and young kids. They were from uh, beginners to, uh, you know, the junior kids, the beer leaguers and uh, the pros and some of the national program goalies as well. So uh, we got a wide range and, um, you know, it, it's fun getting out to do that. And uh, I've run into some of the few kids at, uh, at Pro Skate there. I've dropped in their CPH and there's a few of the kids there that I've coached before. And uh, um, it was cool, cool to see them all. Fantastic. Well, if anybody in Calgary wants to find out more about the e-bug experience and wants to uh, learn from a great goalie coach, uh, check out Apex Goaltending then. Thank you, Dusty, so much for uh, for sharing a little bit of your time, for sharing your story. Congratulations. And uh, I do hope you get to repeat the experience. Well, I think that would be awesome. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. What a cool cat. Love uh, hearing Dusty. And uh, he's he's not just the kid fresh out of college. He's he's paid his dues. He's got back into the game. He's he's done all these summer skates and the rehab skates with guys and the practices. Uh, and he's uh, he's just in that sweet spot of life 
where he's still connected to the game and so happy for him and uh, what a what a wild experience. Uh, what would your reaction, Hutch, have been if the starter goes down two and a half minutes into the game? Are you thinking this isn't right or bring it on? I think a little of both. I think it's possible to hold two thoughts in your head at the same time. And there would have been a part of me that would have been nervous. Absolutely. But there's got to be a part of you that's excited for an opportunity that's otherwise not going to happen in your life. So as I said in the interview, you're supposed to lose 20 to nothing if a guy at our level goes into a game. So you pretty much have nothing to lose. So I'd, I'd be nervous and I'd be really excited all at the same time. I'd be more nervous because it was Vegas on the other end. Like there are times where you know, we've seen it where guys have gone in and like the team just tightens up to the point where, you know, you're not seeing a ton of quality. They're not making mistakes. They're not going to give up point blanks, right? Harder to do over the course of a whole game, much harder to do against the defending cup champions. Um, I, as I said, probably would have been calling for a cleanup. You know what it did remind me of though? We've had a few e-bugs over the year here in Vancouver that I've, stories I've covered. And I think my favorite is the immortal Chris Levesque. And for those that are hearing that name for the first time, go Google it. Uh, He basically was the third stringer at UBC at the time. And I can't remember, Dan Cluche got hurt in the morning. They couldn't get the the backup because, of course, their farm team was in, it wasn't even Utica. It was like somewhere back east. Um, Chicago? No, it it, it predated Chicago. There was, I think it was Syracuse at the time. Anyways, couldn't get him in in time. Kluche was hurt after the morning skate or, or at the morning skate. And so, like, there's a great backstory of how, like, this kid was studying for finals, Chris Levesque, and his team, like, they needed him to go to this. He's the third stringer. He's not playing at UBC. I don't know if they had a game or something that night, so it had to be him uh, or if the rules were different at the time. But anyways, like, they had to, like, they had, like, players looking all through what we call the stacks um, the university sort of library stacks where people would go to find quiet spots to study to just basically find this guy. He gets to the rink. He's in there. He takes the warm up. You know, mismatch equipment, everything. Um, and I, I don't think it was as early as this one with Dusty, but Johan Hedberg was the goalie that night. He comes out near the blue line to try and win a race for a loose puck and play it. And there's a massive collision, like massive collision and the cameras pan to Chris Levesque on the bench and dude is chewing gum like gum has never been chewed before he is working that stick hard and I can't remember I think it was Mike Keen was the player on the bench just looked down at him and just screamed don't worry kid he'll get up well he did get up after a bunch of nervous moments. And so most people think that's where the story ends. What people didn't realize and most forget when they retell it, Johan Hedberg actually broke his wrist in the collision, but there was no way he was putting that kid through this at that time. I think it might've even been against the Pittsburgh Penguins who were, don't know if you've heard, a bit of a wagon. And so, yeah, just one of those things where... As much as, like, the story I think is even better once you realize that Johan Hedberg kept playing through what ended up being a fracture in his wrist because he wasn't, he wasn't going to put the kid in that situation. I did not know about the fractured wrist. That is gutting it out. Wow. So here's, um, here's two stories. Uh, one is recent. One is old school. And I'll go with the, the old school one first because it relates to the Calgary Flames. 
Mike Vernon pulled on a Calgary Flame jersey in a regular season game for the first time as an e-bug because there was a game in Calgary and the starter or one of the two goaltenders uh, got hurt during the, the early part of the game. They're down to one goalie. Don Whitman is on the call on Hockey Night in Canada and says over the air, Mike Vernon, who's playing for the Calgary Wranglers at the time, Mike Vernon, you are to come to the, I think it was the old uh, rink. Not They weren't in the saddle dome yet. Uh, and and said, you're supposed to come grab your equipment, come down, and uh, we the Calgary Flames need you as a backup. And he was watching the game and drove over and ended up backing up a National Hockey League game by way of the page system on the actual Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. That's awesome. I've never heard that story. Cool. That is incredible. It's also a good reminder we need Dan- to get Mike on the podcast, damn it. Yes, yes, exactly. He tells that story so, so, so perfectly. And the other one is the Washington Capitals were in Vegas the other night, and they went through a warm-up with one goalie because Charlie Lindgren, I believe both goalies were under the weather, but Charlie Lindgren was was uh, really uh, not feeling well. He was back at the hotel, and Darcy Kemper was the only goalie in warm-up because Hunter Shepard was recalled from the American Hockey League and did not get to the rink in time. So he didn't get any type of warm-up. He would have, if he had to go in that game against the Stanley Cup champions, he would have gone in at some point without any warm-up at all. Not just cold, but like fresh off a transcontinental flight. And I was watching the warm-up as we were doing our show and thinking, I can't remember the last time I watched somebody go through a warm-up with just one goalie. Sounds like Hunter Shepard needs a uh, sensorina in the dressing room just yeah, in case. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but that, that was, uh, it was just weird knowing that it was just Darcy Kemper on the ice for that pregame morning. Now, I, I, I remember seeing sort of this story developing, but I didn't follow it up. What time did Shepard actually get there? Just, just prior to game time. And there's, there's a couple of little, like things start to get out of control as far as the rumor mill. Like, oh, his equipment didn't come. He's going to have to wear somebody else's gear. Like, I don't know how it actually ended up because I didn't, I never saw Hunter on the ice. He was just uh, at the back, and you could just see his his uniform and and the hair. But uh, there was there was all kinds of uh, rumors flying around about that he was going to have to wear somebody else's could skates. You, could you imagine if it was Charlie Lindgren's yeah. gear because he catches full right <laughs> the southpaw? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where Kemper having like multiple sets of gloves would help. Would would, would He'd help be in the Darcy out. Kemper practice glove? <laughs> exactly along that line. So uh, even the best laid plans, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, uh, can uh, can take you sideways. And the Calgary Flame one was they just missed a, it missed a deadline. You weren't allowed to recall somebody at that that late hour, even though they had two pros in the city because the Calgary Wranglers American Hockey League team is right there. It wasn't. I, I would like to see that rule change. That's one I would like to see. Yeah, change. it is the, an odd no rule, deadline. Isn't it? Yeah, that you have to meet a five o'clock deadline uh, to make an emergency recall, even if the the goal. It may, maybe it's different for goalies, right? No, uh, no, that's for, exactly what it was in this case. Yeah, uh, I, I remember that time being the issue of, about getting somebody up. I mean, I guess is it there because it's sort of unfair to other teams if the guys who've got their AHL team in the same city can pull somebody up five minutes before the game? I don't know, but 
Anyway, I'm glad we got to have an e-bug in the game and it uh, got us a really cool story and a really cool interview. So keep the rule where it is. <laughs> yeah, e-bugs everywhere. So I loved uh, hearing Dusty say that he, he just leaves his gear in the car until or the truck until he is actually needed. I'd be bringing that stuff in to get warmed up. Well, I, I mean, I guess I would. But could, uh, you, you imagine what it's like probably because he's at every game. It probably came in with him for the first three or four in hope that he yeah. might need it one day. And eventually it's just a drag hauling, hauling it in from the truck if you don't need it. So <laughs> I, we'll leave it out there. And I would love to see that situation where he's got to run out in mid-game, as he told us he's had to before. I was just going to say, yeah. like, uh, I want to know how far away they make him park that truck with the gear in the back. No, it's close. No, he it's said it was close. close. He yeah. said it's by the Zamboni door, so at least he's got that. Because here in Vancouver, where parking is at a premium, I, I would like to note that the e-bugs in Vancouver, I always see them with their gear leaving the rink after every game because I have to go around the tunnel where they exit and they've always got their gear with them. My hunch is they don't buck up for parking in the building or under the building and these poor guys have to haul it in from way down the road and that's why they bring it up. Uh, Plus, if you're in Vancouver and you leave your gear in the car and all of a sudden, can you imagine this one? The shot of the kid running down the street to his car, he gets there, the window's broken and the gear's not there anymore. That would be a Vancouver story, sadly. Now I'm I'm really glad that you're not in the press box during the Christmas party. Because you, you've gone down a negative alleyway, haven't hey, you? Hey, I didn't even mention Billy Ranford saying that we shouldn't have e-bugs and that he's got a system in place and proposed to the NHL. I left that alone. Now you got me in a bad mood. <laughs> uh, great to catch up with you guys. Uh, thanks for the great stories from Brian uh, Hazy, as, as DE calls him, uh, and then... Dusty and just having a Dusty in the building of the broadcast the other night, being able to talk about him uh, was cool. And I, I, I full, uh, I fully acknowledge when I went through his his bio, I looked at Mount Royal and I thought he was fresh out of college, and then I realized he's thirty two. Mm-hmm. He's doing this. This is awesome. This is great. I love it. Uh, so good for you, uh, Dusty Nickel, and uh, thanks to you, Hazy, and our designer. Our consultant, Cam, being right into it uh, with the inner glove and the uh, the paddle wedge glove. Uh, good stuff. Uh, Hutch, you going to be good? You going to be good? We're le- leaning into Christmas here. I know it's busy for you. You got a lot going on. And I just wanted to do a wellness check with you to make sure that you're chipper and you're happy because the other guy, I've given up on him. Still smiling, buddy. Still smiling. Don't worry. <laughs> You can hear the sarcasm coming up. Uh, thanks to Hutch Woody, and thanks to you for uh, keeping in touch with us. Uh, send us the notes. Uh, we love to read them. We're not just saying that. It uh, it gets spread around between the three of us and it inspires conversation. And uh, we want to hear more and more of uh, your journeys through the wonderful world of goaltending. Goaltending.